to Him. Amen? God is so good. Well, Living Word, I'm excited. I'm excited to stand before you tonight. And I am honored. I am humbled. And I'm grateful. And before I give honor where honor is due to man, I want to give honor to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because without him, there's no point in us gathering together. So why don't we just praise him for one minute more. God, we... Amen. I want to give honor to our pastoral team, to our pastor, to our leadership. Um, you know, my wife and I, we're newbies here compared to many of you. A lot of you guys are veterans. You've been here for more than we have. Um, I'm not going to get into how many years. Um, but we, we talk about this regularly on the way home. We are so blessed to be a part of a church that is in love with God and is in love with his word, and there is no compromise at this pulpit. And I'm so glad and honored, and, and I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that puts God above all else. Amen? Would you remain standing for me with me for just a moment? We're going to read uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Before I do that, I, I was given liberty to make one announcement. Um, the cheddar broccoli casserole is still available. Um, you know, we originally weren't going to announce it, but I said, Pastor, we need to announce that. Uh, that's going to help Bible quizzing. And, uh, uh, you know, and I tell you, I know uh, Ryan and Val aren't here right now, but the dedication that goes into Bible quizzing and any, any one of you that have been part of it is just, it's amazing. And what, what blows me away is seeing these little kids no more scripture by heart than most ministers that I know, including myself. And, um, you know, when they're reading the word, I have to go, I have to open the book and make sure, yeah, that's good. That was good. Way to go. Um, but so that helps Bible quizzing. So if you, if you're willing to, um, we, we'd appreciate you doing that. I know my, my wife ordered some with mushrooms last time, so I didn't touch it. Um, so we ordered it without mushrooms this year, so I'll, I'll enjoy it this year. Um, but Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If you would, put your Bibles down for the next few moments. Um, I just want to give God what is God's. Um, so let's just pray together to allow him to have his way as he so desires. God, we just thank you for the opportunity to to stand before you, Lord God. We're so thankful, Lord God, that that veil has been torn. We're so thankful, Lord God, that we can walk right into your presence, that we can speak your name and know the power that's in that name. We're so thankful, Lord God, that we can lift our hands up in this great country, Lord God, and praise you because you are who you say you are. We're thankful, Lord God, that you're a God of promises and your promises are yes and amen. You cannot lie. God, we are so thankful that we can stand before you. And I pray, Lord God, that you help me tonight. I pray that you help me to get out of the way 
And I pray that your word speaks as you so desire it for your kingdom and your glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you are welcome to have a seat. You want to greet your neighbor if it's appropriate. Give them a hug or a high five or a fist bump or bump their elbow, whatever we do nowadays. So Matthew 6, 33, we always hear, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So what are, what are these things? Because it's important to read scripture in context, right? Uh, chapter 6, verses 33, or I'm sorry, 30 and 32 says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith, therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things did the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. So what it's saying is, God first, he'll take care of the rest. That's, that's the, the simple short version, right? So the title of my message tonight is, What Are You Doing? This morning, we sang, He did it. He did it. He did it. And as we're singing this, I, I uh, flipped open my, my, my iPad and... Um, Right, it was right after the song was sung, and Sister Becky was sitting by, by my wife, and she said, Rico, are you changing the title of your message to He Did It? And I said, well, I mean, almost. I mean, I'm adding it to the notes anyway, because it's important. But He did it, and He does it. But what are we doing? Because it's a relationship. Our walk with God is so much more than just a, a receiving. It's a doing. So God will take care of us when we make Him and His kingdom a priority. His provision will not cease if we are kingdom focused. So what does that look like and how can we apply that to our daily lives and seek his kingdom first? Now this is going to take some introspective thinking on our part. Where do our priorities lie? What truly matters and what do we value? And I'll say this, you're in a good place because you're at church on a Sunday night. That says something about your priorities. But you've likely heard a variation of this quote. Show me your calendar and your bank statement, and I'll show, I'll show you what really matters to you. So if you think about it, what are we doing with our time, our talent, and our treasure? Are you using what you have for your kingdom or for his? The things that matter most to you will be evident in how you spend your time, your talent, and your treasure. Anyone that is devoted to raising a child well can tell you that there are seasons of life where all of your time is spent with or for your children. You're driving them around. You're taking them to activities. You're dropping them off. You're waiting for them. And the parents are saying, amen. Amen, amen. You're helping with homework and making sure that your kids have what they need to thrive. Maybe you have a gift that not many others possess, and you are sought after by people to showcase your talent. Maybe you even use it as a way to market yourself or build up your portfolio or to get your 
likes on social media. Maybe your financial situation is one that allows you to live a life of comfort that allows, I'm sorry, that others long for. You're able to spend more time enjoying the finer things of life. Psalm 27 and 4 says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. I'm going to be real with you. Coming to church takes sacrifice. God's work requires sacrifice. Sometimes it means more work, less sleep, or both. You may have to give up your Saturday morning on occasion or miss a show that you like or not go to the football game with your buddies. But what really matters? See, anything worth doing is worth doing well, and anything you do for God should be done with the absolute best that you have to offer. When the troubles of life come, and they will come, you'll have, you will have protection and provision. God will never leave you. When that time of trouble comes, you have an assurance of God's protection. You will have a safe place in his presence. When you use the things that God has given you for his purpose and his glory, you are claiming that your, I'm sorry, when you are using the things that God has given you for his purpose and his glory, and you are using them for your glory, you're claiming that your kingdom is greater than his. When you use your time, your talent, and your money to enjoy life, it's, that's not the issue. We're okay to do that. But when you prioritize your enjoyment over his purpose, you enter into a place of sin. Now that may seem harsh, but scripture tells us in James 4 and 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So in that season of investing your time with your kids, we need to show them what matters most. If their activity requires regular Sunday morning attendance, take the opportunity to show your kids what matters more. Sorry, Timmy, I know the tournament's on Sunday, but we've got church. That gift that God has given you, instead of investing in things to benefit you, use it to glorify him and point people to the one that gave you the gift, his kingdom first. The money that God has blessed you with, use it to help those in need or invest it in kingdom work, his kingdom first. God is a provider and every good and perfect gift comes from above. He gives good gifts, and he'll keep giving them if you keep using them for him. In Proverbs 3, 1 through 13, Solomon writes to his son. He says, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. 
Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with thy first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Even as a father loved the son in whom he delighteth, happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. Now Solomon's known for many things, but we know predominantly he's known for his wisdom because that's what he asked God for. God said, I'll give you anything. And he asked for wisdom. He's telling his son, and by way of scripture, he's telling us how to live a prosperous life, how to excel and find joy. He's saying, make God your priority, and he'll take care of everything you need. You will not be disappointed if you walk with God and keep him at the forefront of your thoughts. God's will needs to drive us each and every day. Every decision we make needs to be processed through a filter of what pleases God. We need to allow him to lead us and direct us. We cannot get lost if we are following his directions. We need to be intentional about our walk, and we have to be disciplined in our desire to follow him. When we are trying to get to any destination, we have to be purposeful. I can't open up a map and say, I want to get here and just take a left and a right as I please. I have to follow the map. And for those of you that don't understand, maps are they're paper, and you have to pull them up and... <clears throat> we can't wander around with our eyes closed or sit with our feet up. We won't get anywhere. So too is our walk with God. We have to open up our map. We have to read the directions. And we have to follow them. If my map is closed and collecting dust, I'm lost. If we want to reach our desired destination of eternity with our Savior, we have to persist. We have to dwell with God. We have to spend time with Him and His people. We have to talk to him and we have to listen even more. Ups and downs and in-betweens teach us and help us to grow. A lack of focus and drive will only keep us from reaching our goal. You know, great preachers use props. I'm not a great preacher, but I have a prop. <laughs> yeah, Jay, I heard that. Ooh. So I decided years ago that I was going to learn how to play guitar. She's pretty, isn't she? About eight years ago, I told my wife, thank you, Dylan, by the way, I appreciate it. I told my wife, I said, I want to learn how to play guitar. I said, it's always been a dream of mine. 
I want to sit around the campfire with the family and roast marshmallows, and I'm going to sing whatever you want me to sing. And as a good wife should, she supported me, and she said, honey, you go do that. So I, I did some research, and I talked to some experts, and I bought, I bought this beauty right here. And I, and I showed it to some people, and they said the same thing. Ooh, that's pretty. I like that one. And I got it. You know, if you know me, you know I like a deal. Um, so I think it was like 40 bucks. So, I mean, that's, that's what was pretty to me. Um, but I talked to some, some experts that knew what they were talking about, knew what they were doing, knew what a good guitar was, and they said, that's actually a pretty decent guitar. For that price, you should buy that. So I, I bought the guitar, and I... I bought picks, I bought a capo, I bought a carrying bag, I got an amplifier, I got the cords, I got a tuner, and I took lessons for three weeks. <laughs> yes, yes. So, in just eight short years, I learned how to play zero songs. So if you want me to jump in on the worship team, Sister Angie, I can just mute it um, and have Mike up there with me so he can actually play. <clears throat> but now my guitar sits literally in my bedroom collecting dust. I had to clean that bag off before I brought it to church because I was like, that wouldn't be good to set up on the... <laughs> Bring up to the, to the pulpit. But what are we doing with our walk with God? We come to church on a regular basis and we attend connect groups every season. But your gifts are not used for their intended purpose. God has called you to step up and do something, but you haven't moved toward his calling. You've heard him as clear as ever. And he said, this is what I want you to do. But you've done nothing. We come up with all the excuses. I'm too busy. There's already somebody doing that ministry. Work is so demanding. I live too far away. Ministry is messy. I don't like people. <laughs> I'll tell you, I did this for the first 10 years of my walk with God. I sat and I used all of these excuses. I was a, I was a pew sitter. For 10 years, it wasn't my priority. I put on the face. I came to church on Sunday mornings. I didn't go to Sunday night. I didn't go to Wednesday night. And all of those excuses may seem legitimate. But if he has called you or he has given you something that you can use for the advancing of his kingdom, you better not hesitate to use it for its purpose. This guitar is pretty, but you don't want to play it right now because I guarantee you it's out of tune. It, there's probably dust inside of it. And as I began to get involved in ministry, I was able to shift from excuses to purpose. The people that were already taking care of ministries were happy to have help. Amen? Those of us in ministry are like, yes, please sign up. 
Ministries succeed because of people's passion and their will to do God's work. A thriving ministry is such because the people involved are working on building his kingdom, not theirs. I was talking to Brother Ben this evening, and I was telling him how, by the way, anybody here that was on the worship team this morning, thank you, thank you for the worship that you brought this morning. The music was great, and it sounded wonderful, but the worship was amazing. But that represents a thriving ministry because of the people that are involved in it. People don't come and think, oh, I have to do this. They think, I get to do this, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm so grateful to be a part of this. My job has no eternal consequences in and of itself. It helps take care of my family, and it gives me opportunities to talk with others about my king. If I was willing to drive to see my beautiful girlfriend at the time, who is my wife now, so don't think that's out of line. But she lived two minutes away from the church. And it was too far for me to drive to church for service. But it wasn't far, too far for me to drive to see my girlfriend. I need to be willing to drive to worship my Savior if I'm willing to drive to go see my girlfriend. And ministry can be messy. But it's always worth it. See, God could have made it possible to speak perfection into us. God could have made it possible for us to not sin. All he had to do was say it, and it would have been. But instead, he decided to come down and be with his creation. So if God wasn't afraid of getting dirty, how dare I use that as an excuse. Now people, people can be, whew, yeah, amen. It's okay though, I can say that because I'm one of them. It's true, people can be tough to deal with, but when we ask him to help us see them through his eyes, we gain a new sense of compassion and understanding. And as you work with this new vision, you begin to see that people aren't all that bad. And Pastor talked about it this morning. You know, we, we, put on, we put on that compassion and we begin to understand where people are. And we see that we're not all that different because we were just like them. And sometimes we are just like them. We just have the answer so we can show them. So those of you that are involved in ministry, you already know what I'm talking about. But those of you who have yet to get involved, let's have a conversation. We all, we've all heard the phrase, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. God will give you what you need as long as you respond. Now this isn't a message it's not intended to be a message of condemnation, but it is a call to action. See, we're not called to be the messengers of good feelings. That's not this church, folks. We're called to be messengers of the truth. A wise man once said, courage without compassion is reckless. Pastor David Meyer, November 12, 2023. I had to dig deep in the archives to find that, but that was good. 
But his word is what guides us. Hosea 4 and 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt know that sorry, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of God, I will also forget thy children. See, God is a God of mercy and grace, but he's also a just and right judge. Sometimes the truth hurts, but if we heed his word, we'll benefit. You and I, we're a unique part of his creation. We are his priority. So why isn't he ours? James 1, 17 through 25, and King James says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will be gat he, he us with the word of the truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But ye be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his face, his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straight, straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I like the way the New Living Translation says it. It says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, you don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. We are a kind of first fruit to God. We are his prized possession. If we are his prize, then why are we holding back on giving him what he deserves from us? Why would we make his will secondary to ours? Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be, tr be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, I can't just grab my guitar and claim to be a musician. 
I have to do things that musicians do. I have to practice. I have to play. I have to tune it. I have to keep it free of dust. And so it is with our walk with God. I have to stay with my book open. I have to read it. I have to do it. I have to have fellowship with like-minded people. I have to be sharpened. I have to take action to follow him as he leads. Now here's the good news. As long as you have breath in your lungs, it's never too late to reconcile or change our priorities. So now is the challenge. Shift your priorities. Now I'll tell you this, when I was preparing this message, and then I heard preaching this morning, I leaned over to my wife and I said, I don't think I can preach that message tonight. Because pastor was talking about speaking in love. I was like, well, it's not really a love message. This is more of a call to action message, but he can talk to me about it after. But we need to shift our priorities. We have to, we have to be willing to say things to each other in love. Where have you been, man? I haven't seen you for six weeks. I love you and I miss you. What's going on? Or better yet, I know why you were gone for six weeks. Because I've been visiting with you and checking in on you. And I knew you were sick. And I'm not anybody that says, hey, Rico's been missing for six weeks. Yeah, he's sick. He's not backsliding. He's just sick. Emotionally, mentally, physically. But each of us has the potential for kingdom work. We just have to be willing to respond. And that's where we falter. And that's where we need to focus so much more. Because as I look around this room, and I knew this was going to happen on a Sunday night, these are the dedicated people, right? These are the people that come on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday, Wednesday evenings, and, and they're there for the fellowship events, and they're part of the connect groups, and they're active in their, in their ministry. And that's not to say that I know there are some other people that are normally here, but I, I know I'm preaching to the choir, so to speak. But I know there are some people that God has placed here, or maybe that are listening online, and they're thinking, I can't. I don't know how. Where do, where do I begin? There's always a place to begin. There's always a place where you belong in ministry. You just have to be willing to use what you have. The devil is going to disqualify you. The devil is going to scream in your ear and say, you're not good enough. It doesn't matter what the devil says. See, the thing we have to remember is he is the father of lies. And that's all he does is lie. And we say, well, the, the devil is keeping me from it. No, you're keeping you from it. You just let the devil convince you. We cannot be satisfied with a casual relationship with God. We can't expect him to heal us, deliver us, and save us when we ask him. 
but we're not even willing to honor him with the things that he's given us. We're not willing, we know that God has given us a gift. We know he's given us a passion for something. But we say, that's not for you, God, that's for me. And by the way, I need a healing. He's not a genie in a bottle. And he will not be treated that way. He requires more than a relationship of convenience. He insists on being a priority. Matthew 22, 36 through 38 says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And we all know this. This is the lawyer trying to, you know, trying to get Jesus, right? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. We, always, we usually read that second part too about you know, uh, loving your neighbor as yourself. But this is the first and great commandment. We're commanded to give him everything we are. He's our priority. That's how it's supposed to work. God doesn't want or need our leftovers. He commands our best, and he deserves nothing less. So what are you doing with the little things? D.L. Moody says this, There are many of us that are willing to do great things for the Lord, but few of us are willing to do little things. See, the little things are the everyday things. The simple things, smiling at the cashier who just growled at you. Waving to your neighbor who you know doesn't like you. And not doing it in a sarcastic way. But being that light every day, being consistent every day, we can't get caught up in the actions or the portrayal of being on fire for God. We need to be consistent in the everyday things. Our lives need to be daily devoted to the things of God. I'm coming to an end here. <clears throat> and everybody said, praise the Lord. But I read an article, and it just came out this month. It's an article about a company, and I don't even want to mention the company because I don't want to give them any, any mention. But this company has designed a chip that gets implanted into your brain. And of course, you know, end times are coming, so I'm reading that article. I want to know what's happening with this thing. So... According to a Bloomberg report, thousands of people have already expressed interest. It's called a Fitbit for your skull. Let me say it again. It gets implanted in your brain. I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody putting anything in my brain. Now, this is being marketed as a good thing. It's being marketed as something that, hey, those that have neurological issues or, or are paralyzed or have an inability to communicate for some reason, we can connect those dots that their brain is not able to. And of course, if people don't know, it sounds like a good thing. 
Now here's the shocking part. This is the third company that's already working on this. And they hope to have this device implanted in over 20,000 people by the year 2030. The first company actually already implanted a similar chip in July of 2022. Now I'm not willing to even consider this idea. But the fact that this is even a discussion tells me that we're getting a lot closer to Jesus' return. See, the way that the world is changing to line up with Scripture is happening at a rate of speed that has increased exponentially over the years. Now, I'm not sure if it's because I'm getting old, but I used to think that the end times talk of older generations was just crazy. And I'd often hear, the end is near. And I would dismiss it as extremism and old people being negative. But when I was 20, everyone was old. I'm looking at you 20-somethings. But young people especially, hear me. The more I have lived, the more I see how far this world has gotten away from God and how much our world has become like the descriptions given for the time of Jesus' return. No one knows the day that he'll return. But I know this. There is no time like the present to take his word and do as it says. We already know what the future holds. But we don't know how much time we have left. We need to be ready and we need to make sure that others know the truth of his word. We have been called to share his truth. And if they dismiss you as crazy, let them dismiss you as crazy. It's not my job to save people. It's my job to tell people that they need to be saved. So what are you doing with the word of God? We need to cling to his truth. Would you stand with me? Revelation 3, 1 through 3, the church of Sardis is warned. And it says, Unto the angel of the church of Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast the name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore... How thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent, if therefore thou shalt not watch. I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. And then continuing later on in verses 7 through 11, it says, And the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say, are, say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee because thou hast kept the word of my patience. 
I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. See, God is just and he is right. And that is how he will judge. This week, um, an uncle of mine, he passed away on Friday. And we knew it was coming. And I, and I was able to visit with him in the hospital. And I was, I was talking to, to Theo and Pastor and, and Bishop about this. And I, you know, I said I, I was able to go down and I, I was able to talk to him. And I, and I told him, you know, he's, he's not a man that walks with God. He, he's... Um, doesn't like talking about religion. But I told him, I said, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't talk to you about Jesus. I need you to know about him. And he looked at me. And he kind of just went, ah. he said, it's all I hear about from your other uncle. It's all he talks about. And I thought, my word, how effective are we with our witness? I know my uncle's heart is good, right? I know his intention was to witness and to, to bring him to a point of repentance. But he soured the conversation with my other uncle. And I think we need to be careful with how we witness. We need to be careful with how we carry God's word. It's not, it's not meant to be a sword in the sense of using it as a dagger. It's meant to be used for defense and protection. God will come and he will come quick. And his word is our warning and we have no excuse I was recently in a Bible study talking to somebody about this and, and as we were wrapping up the Bible study, we're talking about heaven and we're talking about repentance and baptism and being filled with the Holy Ghost. And I, and I looked at them as, as clear as I could and I said, listen, you have to understand this. You don't have an excuse anymore because you've been told what the word says. We cannot delay in living this life as he has called us to. Now is not the time to compromise. Eternity is at stake. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. His kingdom is coming. We need to be ready. So this evening, if you feel inclined, I'll open this altar. If you feel comfortable at your seats, that's fine. But the question remains, what are you doing to put his kingdom first? What are you doing with your time, your talent, and your treasures? What are you doing with the little things? What are you doing with the word of God? And what are you doing to make sure that it's about his kingdom 
and not ours. So this evening, if you feel called, please come. Let's ask God to show us what we need to do and how we need to change what we're doing. The time is short. Don't miss this. Let's pray. God, I give you thanks, Lord Jesus, for your word. I thank you, Lord God, for the the word of warning that you've given us. And I pray, Lord God, that we don't take this lightly, Lord God, that we don't walk away from this just thinking it's another, another day, Lord God, that we look at this as another opportunity, Lord God, to be ready to be witnesses and to be effective for your kingdom. And I pray, Lord God, that this word lands where you intended it for, for it to land. And I pray, God, that you would have your will and your way with your people. We give you thanks and praise and we give you the glory, God, in Jesus' name.